Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. This is the podcast that brings you the greatest innovation change makers in the world of insurance and insure tech. We speak to innovation leaders from carriers and brokers. We speak to insure tech founders and C-suite executives. And we bring you all of the people that add value to that community, whether it be private equity, venture capitalists, or even people like organizational psychologists and thought leaders and futurists. We try really hard to bring you the most innovative people in the world of insurance on a global basis. So with that in mind, we'd love your support. So please like, share, follow or subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Alex Bond. Welcome to the Leadership Insurance Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by FinPro. FinPro is a leading insurtech specialist recruitment business that operates on a global basis. We have delivered assignments across North America, throughout Europe and into Asia. We are super excited to speak to anyone who has some recruitment challenges that is either starting or scaling a business. And we're confident we can help you find the people to help you innovate the world of insurance one new hire at a time please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com for more information. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by Mauro, who is the founder of 180 Degrees Insurance. Um, Mauro, good morning. How are you? Hi. Um, very cold here in Brazil, which is a bit weird for us, but everything is good. Uh, thank you for having me here, Alex. Um, that's okay. I, I apologize. If anyone's listening to this, there's something really strange going on with my camera, and I keep disappearing like I'm in some sort of cheap uh, sci-fi movie. So um, I'll, I'll try and fix that for you before we, uh, um, it's unnerving for you all. But um um, before I kind of go into that, it's um, yeah, it'd be really great. I always do a terrible job of introducing um, my guests' businesses, so it'd be fantastic if you could kind of just introduce us to the kind of what the one eighty insurance business. Perfect. So um, I'll give a quick intro and let me know if you have any additional questions. But basically, uh, here in Brazil, uh, we have. A large insurance sector because it's a big country, it's 120 million people, but it's very underpenetrated. So it's um, well, it's far from its potential. So when you compare it to even other emerging countries in Latin America, uh, insurance penetration is very low. So there's a big opportunity. And historically, uh, the insurance space here in Brazil, the regulator has been very conservative and very slow to allow for for changes and innovation in the sector. But this has been changing and it started maybe three years ago. And so looking at this, um, you know, changing regulatory environment, um, I thought, and I wasn't the the financial FinTech industry where something similar happened. And I was like, wow, there's a big opportunity here. here." So I was in the FinTech space. I was working at Nubank at the time. I was an early employee together with Franco, the other co-founder. And we got together with Alex, who was the head of insurance at Santander, to see what the opportunity was. And because insurance in Brazil is so um, underpenetrated, uh, we, and our thesis here at 180, is that the direct-to-consumer route, uh, based on the stage where the market is, is not the best um, uh, strategy to scale. It's expensive. 
people don't know about insurance. They're not educated. They're not used to it. It's not part of their, their daily life. You know? We're talking recently with a friend in Germany. You buy a scooter. You need to get out of the store having you no know, uh, insurance against third party. Here in Brazil, 10% of people have home insurance. So it's a completely different uh, scenario. And when I tell my friends, like, hey, do you have insurance for your house? And they're like, how much does it cost? I tell them 300 reais. And they're like, is that monthly or annually? So like people have no clue. So um, we, we, we think that the best opportunity is a B2B2C approach. So there's, you know, tons of companies here in Brazil and, and you name the space in uh, real estate, mobility, banking with a great customer experience and having, you know, solving all their clients' needs through the app. But then when it comes to insurance, it's just lagging. It's not there. And, and there's many reasons to it. Insurance, you know, as it is everywhere, it's something very peculiar with a skill set that's very, you know, um, uh, not accessible maybe to people in other sectors. So what we offer is these companies that have a great relationship with their customers that they can also sell insurance uh, to enhance the, the relationship that they have with their customers. So say one of our, our, our big partners here is this Loft, which is a big unicorn real estate marketplace. Um, so what they did is, uh, you know, when you buy an apartment through their, their, their portal, um, you're offered a home insurance. So in our view, you know, that's when people should be thinking about buying home insurance where they're buying a new house. Um, and then since people don't know the insurance companies that well, it's something far from them. Who's the best one? I don't know, but Hey, I trust Loft. They have a high NPS, I had a great experience with them. And uh, we build a product that we call that it's co-branded. So it's called Loft Insurance powered by 180. Uh, we uh, have the APIs with Loft. We integrate with the carriers. We do customer experience. We build marketing materials. We do claims management. So we do everything for, for Loft uh, that, and allow them to, to sell insurance. And from their client's perspective, it's not like Loft is cross-selling uh, just any third-party product. They feel like they're they're having something that adds to their experience with Loft. So um, uh, that's why our big bet is, is the B2B2C because we think, you know, people should be thinking about insurance, you know, when they need it and they're offered the right product by someone they trust. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so that's, that's our big bet here. And we basically have two kinds of clients, largely speaking. Um, one are, are the retailers that historically they, they sell, you know, extended warranty, lenders insurance, mm -hmm. um, home insurance. They're good at selling, but now their, their business more and more focused to, to online. You know, COVID accelerated this, obviously. And now they're feeling that they don't have the right tools uh, or the right product to, to have a good experience online. Mm -hmm. So we have a bunch of, I'd say, like traditional retailers that are, are converting and, and modernizing their, their, their um, products. And then we have tech companies or fast growing companies that uh, don't know anything about insurance. And then we're kind of their uh, insurance arm. So yeah. we, we do you know, what we call is insurance as a service that, you know, you want to sell insurance, come to us and we'll help you in, in every step of the journey. So you can sell insurance to, to your customers. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful. Thank you for that. And um, God, there's so much to pick up. There's so much to sort of pick up there. So I'll, I'll try and pick up some things that sort of come to mind. It's, I think it's really interesting because we've talked about embedded a lot on the podcast, um, and we've had you know different businesses offering kind of different 
versions, whether it's kind of a very comprehensive model like yours um, um, or something that's kind of very, you know, specific like monoline product. Um, but something that I've always sort of discussed around embedded is, is that embedded insurance is quite often utilizing that brand loyalty that someone's already developed. And you gave a perfect example, you know, Loft is a business that people know. So to buy insurance out of Loft, I, it, but it's interesting that because there's much less penetration, is that even more important? Because otherwise, you know, if you're just trying to set, you're still, if you were telling insurance, even if you make it more convenient in a market with lacking penetration, presumably you still wouldn't penetrate the market because people still don't buy it. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. And I think that's where the challenge lies for us. You know, having the product, the right product at the right, right time is part of the journey, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you're halfway there. Uh, but then, you know, you need the right incentives and you need education uh, in order for the client to to purchase that that product, so it's 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 even maybe like a, a bigger challenge than your traditional embedded, you know, because having the home insurance there won't make that person know, oh, this is a good price, this is a good product, because mm. they never bought it before. Maybe if they did, they had a bad experience. Mm. So we're seeing that um, to your point, like that our partner, and that's how we call the, the channels that sell insurance we call them partners they need to be incentivized to sell insurance because it's just having it there is uh, usually not enough to to have a conversion because people don't know about it, right so this this goes to extended warranty these these goes to other uh, uh uh insurance that you know the the channel has to see that hey offering insurance is something that will differentiate my my offering that uh, well, it's high margin for me, so I need to be willing to push this to my customer, uh, and just having it is not enough. So even we we have a good example of a client that obviously I won't won't name that we had a good product, it was selling, but they were busy growing their their business and they just couldn't focus in insurance. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, we were selling, but it's it was much more reactive and it was way below the potential for for that specific product mm -hmm. and it was a product that was 40 percent cheaper than what you know a company would get elsewhere and then the decision was that we took together with the partners hey let's come back to this maybe in six nine months when you guys are are able to prioritize this because just having it there is is not enough to to sell uh, mm -hmm. by itself so i'd say it's an added challenge that due to lack of uh, how much people know about insurance that you need to have a, a more active sales uh, pitch uh, in the process. Yeah, because it, 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 that it's really struck me um, that because, you know, you think about if you were selling for an embedded solution in something like the UK, um, where I'm based, you know, I'm gonna buy car insurance, home insurance, travel insurance, and I'm used to buying these things. So realistically, it's about as long as you can embed it and, and make it convenient for me, if it's convenient and competitive, I'll buy it. And 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 I don't need any yeah. other kind of um no one needs to sell it to me. So you've got sort of added pressure. What what has that meant in in practical terms if you look at your offering as opposed to embedded offerings in kind of other markets where there's more penetration for insurance? Is this something you do specifically differently? Um it, does it, or does it just, just mean that relationship is different? So you have to choose your partners differently. 
Yeah, I'd say that the relationship is is different, and and because you need the partner to be uh, to see insurance as something I need to push and 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 put effort. So to your point here, like if you're in the marketplace and I just have you know compare insurance prices here, obviously I'll get a conversion, but probably much lower than the in the UK. But then maybe you know if if you're you get an email later pushing, hey, get your thing here, or if you haven't go get your car and someone gives you a flyer. So it's um it's a challenge. And and I think to your point, like it makes us as a startup that you're always um you know your your biggest challenge is time and where I focus. Uh, you also need to to be sure that you're getting the right partners that are willing to put that effort and that see that insurance is something uh important in in their business. So it, it's an added challenge to to be doing insurance in Brazil. Um, we like it because the economics make a lot of sense. So uh, when I'm plugged in in something that, again, using the example of Loft, I don't have a CAC, uh, you know, I don't have massive spending, especially in an environment like today. It's mm -hmm. kind of once it's, it's set in, it, it starts working as kind of like something that's very stable. And then obviously when you do campaigns and you do something more, mm -hmm. uh, then yeah, you can have a CAC, but it's very targeted and you know exactly where where your money is going mm -hmm. so um we we see like eventually yeah we we can uh, spend to acquire customers uh but then it's going to be very targeted in an environment where we can easily measure uh you know uh, uh how our spending is 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 it making sense or what's the best leverage we have here for for conversion mm -hmm. why what why, why is um uh Brazil such a kind of underpenetrated market. Um, is it sort of yeah? And no, I'm intrigued. I mean, I, I I could guess, but I I, I don't want to throw any terrible guesses out there. Why why I guess when you've got an expert on? But what's what's yeah. your take on why it's um so underpenetrated? I I think there's many uh, reasons to it. I I say for one to start off, and this might be a bit controversial. Maybe it's a bit cultural. You know, the Brazilians are by nature, uh, optimistic. They think nothing's going to happen to them. It's always my neighbor, not to me. So I think there's this sense that, you know, uh, maybe culturally. Uh, two, we don't have big um, natural disasters here in Brazil. So there's no hurricanes. Yeah, there's flooding, but it's not like something that's massive, tornadoes, earthquakes, uh, you name it. So that's maybe not part. Maybe you had a house for 30 years, 50 years, and, you know, nothing never happened. Um, and then I think there's something that's regulatory, plays a big role uh, in, in two ways. One, that insurance in Brazil usually is not mandatory, which, you know, someone from a developed market might sound like insane. So I'm sure that if you open a, a, like a restaurant here in Sao Paulo, um, I would doubt that you, there's a checklist of the insurance that maybe your, your landlord or even like that you should have to open an, uh, a restaurant. And I know, for instance, in New York, if you're opening a restaurant, getting the right insurance is a big part of your, uh, of your you know, worries when you're opening. Mm -hmm. um, car insurance in Brazil is not mandatory. Mm -hmm. um, so like, um, there's very few insurance in Brazil that are mandatory. So I think that kind of uh, place a sense that, you know, people never feel like they need it. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, something that I mentioned in the beginning is the regulator in Brazil, 
um, uh, here you have a, a regulator for the financial markets, which is a central bank, and you have Suzepi, which is for the insurance sector. So the central bank historically has been a more independent, uh, less politicized um, regulatory body. And it, it's done a great job in the last 10 years of like setting a new framework and allowing for fintechs to come in. And now, you know, Brazil's a, a really good case of how fintechs have entered the market in a regulated way. Um, and then the Suzepi, on the other hand, was historically more political. So it was usually, usually a political, something that was politically appointed to head Suzepi. So maybe a lot of interests coming to play. And from three, four years ago, this changed when they put a new superintendent. She has left already, but she kind of did, hey, guys, this is a new era. We need to shake things up. We need to make easier for new entrants. So it was kind of impossible to get a, a carrier license in Brazil uh, prior to, you know, three years ago. So very few companies here, very concentrated, the big multinationals, you know, Zurich, Tokyo, uh, you name it, uh, are the big ones here in Brazil. Mm -hmm. So I think the regulatory part also kind of um, made insurance be a bit behind where it should be and in, in the level of service that people demand. So mm -hmm. like a, a quick comparison I, I make is when I joined Nubank, and this was 2016, there was still uh, a question as to, you know, can you sign uh, a proposal that you got a credit card through your phone like that that was something that was being done for the first time that was 2015 16 um just last year uh, suzepi put this normative out you know taking that risk out of insurance saying that yeah you can have there's a whole set of rules of how you can get someone to sign electronically and and uh, purchase insurance online so we're talking you know something that happened in 2016 happening uh, 2021 in insurance. So, you know, it's at least five years behind. Um, so I think that that's my quick take, I think, on, on, on why insurance is, is behind where it should be. And again, mm -hmm. even if you get some types of insurance and compare it to Colombia, Mexico, Chile, like Brazil is still behind uh, uh, these countries. So it's not like I'm, we're benchmarking against a developed country like the UK or the US. Even if you look at countries that are in our socioeconomic uh, level, we're still lagging. But I think that that creates a massive opportunity, right? So um, when you look at studies that look at the insurance protection gap in Brazil, um, and, and it, it's basically, they, they say that the sector should be double the size it is today. Uh, so insurance in Brazil, the last 10 years has been growing at a care of 10%. Uh, and we've gone through, you know, three, four crises, recessions, changing governments, everything. And it's kind of like a little clockwork, like every year growing. And I think just uh, this first quarter grew 14 and a half percent compared to the previous year. So um, this, the fact that we're behind and now the, the regulator is opening up creates this massive opportunity that you don't necessarily need to go uh, and steal someone's clients. There's this whole untapped market of people that uh, maybe never purchased insurance or didn't have a good uh, 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 experience that now you can go after. Mm. Yeah, that's. I was kind of smiling though when you said that because um, I, I took quite a skeptical view of, of, I mean, Lloyd's is one specific market, but 
in insurance in the UK and uh, or, or or certainly British based um, insurance companies, whether they're international insurers, there's always a conversation about you know only wanting new entrants that bring new customers. Um, and reality is that's not what tends to happen. You tend to just launch a company and it just steals kind of other other customers from other businesses. And it's not really growing the market. We're just we're just redistributing who who takes that income. So um, I wanted to ask you, as someone that's kind of obviously worked for you know uh, in the fintech space more broadly prior to that. Um, and and you know this is my ignorance of the kind of sort of Brazilian uh, market. Um, is the why now is always a question I ask for kind of uh, entrepreneurs that come on the on the show, and um, you know the timing is the timing right because there's a sort of there's a sort of evolution of kind of the digital relationship people have with businesses in in Brazil, which which is which allows you to have this kind of partnership distribution model. Did did that play into your thinking of kind of why now and because uh, you know I think there'll be a lot of people listening that are kind of US based or UK based that don't know so much about the kind of uh, what's happening in that kind of marketplace. So yeah, I think that that was a huge uh, decision for me, especially coming from a different sector and so why insurance, why now. So my view was that, and you know, there is this first wave of insure techs in Brazil that came out in 2013, 14, at the same time as fintechs came out. And uh, on one side, you had fintechs evolving and becoming unicorns and listing abroad and here in Brazil, a lot of success cases. And then you didn't have an insurance. And then my take on it is, you know, you're entering a very regulated market. You need to have a regulator that's willing to, to play ball, right? And, and be willing to accept you. And that didn't happen in insurance in, in Brazil in 2013, 14. Um, and on the other hand, I experienced a regulator that was very open. So at New Bank, we would be talking to the central bank, like uh, really like a daily basis, different parts of the company. And when we talk to our American investors, it's like, you're talking to the central banker every day, like they're almost scared, you know, it's not something you do in the US. And they're like, no, yeah, here, because they're trying to bring in competition and we're the poster child. So we look at the legislation, we say what we think should happen. And we go to, to talk to them, they're very open. They're here trying to understand their business. So we had this very open relationship and, and you know, like what we needed. And then they also pull in our, uh, telling us, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. And then now when I looked at insurance two, three years ago, I saw the same uh, movement happening. You know, hey, now you have a regulator that's willing to open the sector. And then when I talked to all the carriers in Brazil, and like I said, these are like 100-year-old companies, and they're obviously doing a good business in what they do. I'm like, hey, I don't think they're, they're going to be the one disrupting the sector. They're just, you know, slow because they're big organizations. So now you can, uh, there's two successful sandboxes in Brazil uh, that, you know, I, I'd say 30 to 40 startups uh, got in, we didn't, uh, uh, but I mean, that, that was huge. So there's a huge opportunity to, you know, sell insurance products, not being a full-fledged carrier. And before you would go to prison in Brazil, if you're selling insurance uh, and you're not a carrier. Uh, and then you have, I think last year there were 30 or 40 normatives coming out um, and someone told me like hey in France just to compare there were like four normatives last year so there's this huge catch-up that the regulator is doing 
So um, when I looked at this, I'm like, wow, you know, like I've seen this happen in fintech in the financial space. And again, completely different dynamics and go to market strategy and the direct to consumer there worked really well because financial products are very penetrated in Brazil. But I'm like, hey, here's this big regulated sector that, you know, uh, now's the time to go in. And the same way people said in the past, hey, you can't go against the big banks in Brazil. People were telling me and still are, hey, you can't go against the big carriers in Brazil. Like uh, they have, they've been here for 50 years. They know what they're doing. I'm like, yeah, but the game changed, you know? Today, people want to buy something quick on their phone and, and have their whole experience there. That's not what, what they're good in doing. Like we, we launched this insurance in Brazil. I think this is a good example. So um, in 2019, this normative came out in Brazil saying, hey, you can sell uh, pay-per-use and intermittent insurance. So again, before that, it was, you couldn't sell like insurance that's one hour or, you know, the more you use your car, the more you're charged. And, and then this thing came out and I was still at Nubank and we were obviously looking and studying what to do in the insurance space. And then eventually Nubank launched a successful product. But uh, we're like, hey, wow, now that this is possible in Brazil, there's going to be a ton of new products coming out that are short term and you know, are very tailored. And then the first intermittent insurance was launched by 180 last year. So there was like between 2019, 2021, zero products uh, being, being launched in Brazil. And we did like the first one hour insurance that you're parking your car in one city in Brazil and it's going to expand to other cities. Um, you, you know, you pay through your phone, your meter fare. And you, for 49 cents, you add an insurance that protects your belongings inside the car against theft for that one hour. So for us, like that, that's how people should think about insurance. Like this partner came up to us and said, hey, number one reason people don't park on the street is they, they feel that someone's gonna, you know, break the window of their car, steal their belongings. We're like, hey, there's, this insurance exists, but today's a weekly, uh, like um, policy no one wants to buy they want to buy when they park their car hey let's work with a carrier and we did this pilot uh, insurance that park your car for one hour um, 49 cents which is nothing insure your belongings and, and so we use this kind of as a our poster child like hey Brazilians this is how you should be thinking about insurance you know you're parking your car in the street 49 cents uh, get your insurance, uh, you have a claims, um, there's a button in the app, like I have a problem. You click on it, it opens up our WhatsApp and you have customer service uh, ready to, to, to you know, uh, service you and do your claims and take your questions. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is how people should see insurance and, and not something that, you know, it's complicated and it's like one size fits all. Um, so, I mean, we're very happy with, with this product and we think this is like the, the type of experience that people have in other sectors, uh, digitally and they should be having with insurance. Mm. Yeah, that, that, this, there's a couple of things that I think are interesting about that particular product because one, that's a product that is, you know, is unique to Brazil. It's like, it's unique to the Brazilian market. There's a need for that. Um, like if I was parking my car, like my car's going to be insured. But interesting to hear you say that lots of people just don't have insurance because it's not mandated, it's not regulated. So it's really interesting how attractive that is as a, as a non-mandated market. Um, I'm interested to kind of, you know, um, 
the 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 sort of geographic kind of how specific the kind of insurances need to be and it seems like you guys have got to be um really creative um about where you know to kind of increase and help with that penetration um is it usually do your partners approach you are you approaching them and when you approach them do, do you have a sort of specific way that you want it to work in mind and i wondered about how that kind of partnership works when it comes to sort of creating the product yeah no, that, that's a great uh, question and and today we had to kind of funnel the types of products that uh, we want to focus and our our big challenge today alex is like um are we focusing on the right products and with the right partners because mm -hmm. demand we're, we're like swamped of demand from companies saying hey i want to sell this hey i want to sell that and then we need to think hey is what i'm making for alex uh, is that scalable to other uh, uh other clients should i prioritize this so today i'd say that we have more demand than we can handle in terms of like companies willing to work with us and sell insurance. And then our, our great um, or our big challenge is, are, are we saying yes to the right products and right partners for us to, to get scale? Mm -hmm. So I'd say that like, we still don't have like our sales machine uh, 100% working to say, hey, I'm confident that we're onboarding the right clients and, and the right method and that this is scalable. But that's where we are right now. So where we're focusing is particularly on home insurance, life insurance, and then some types of insurance that are sold by retailers. So this is like today we're, we're narrowing and we always question ourselves, is three still too much? I should be doing only one, but uh, three is what we've settled as our priority. So what we do today is I'm doing, let's say this life product, that's very simple for you know Brazilians lower social income uh, to start buying life products that we want to bring um, something that's more transactional. Uh, so there's telemedicine together with with your life insurance. Mm -hmm. So this product is one that we're we're gonna launch with one specific client, and then we're saying like, hey, if this working or making this better, there's like tons of partners that we could add on to sell this product so we're right at this stage that we're testing with larger products with larger partners products that we think that are we can replicate uh, and scale with, with many different partners yeah i was gonna say you sort of you've opened the treasure trove of opportunity to people so you must have all these kind of different ideas so yeah i can see how you've got to have a repeatable kind of product that you can sell um i wanted to ask you about um and, and you, so you raised very famously, it was the largest seed round for an insure tech in Latin America. Um, does that put some added pressure? Like, <laughs> like how, yeah. is, uh, how do you deal with that? <laughs> no, I mean, we did the big, that big seed and then we raised $31 million uh, yeah. beginning of this year, perfect timing. But you know, great power comes great responsibility, right? So, I mean, there's, there's this sense from investors and that we share here is like, hey, we're, we're really ambitious because the opportunity here is really big and we're well positioned. So um, like I said, the incumbents do a great job in the traditional bank insurance offline broker model. Uh, and maybe that's something we don't want to disrupt, but hey, now people, I think in Brazil, spend an average 10 hours a day on their phone. Uh, there's a lot of penetration on smartphone. Like, 
this is where people are looking to buy things now. This is where they want to have experience. And that's where we want to be well positioned. So we have already 65 people here at 180. You have 20 plus programmers, top notch, a very uh, senior uh, team. Uh, we have a lot of product team. We have people from insurance carriers who so say, hey, we're in a regulated sector. We need people that you know this, have seen this for a while. So we have this like very tech feel, but at the same time, hey, we need people from the sector. So we're building a very like strong team here. Uh, and the opportunity, like I said, is, is massive. Like this market is growing 10% uh, quarter on quarter. Um, and it should double. Uh, and so we want to be that company that, that through the B2B2C model uh, scales and, and really brings insurance uh, closer to, to Brazilians. So um, yeah, our funding for our stage was, was big, but it's just because the opportunity is, is very big and uh, we, we felt we had to be well capitalized in order to, to take advantage of it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Makes sense. It's just that, uh, like you know, I'm someone that is it's my company, but it's obviously always been bootstrapped. And you know, I always there, there's always two sides when I hear people raising like good money. I'm like, wouldn't that be a nice problem to have? But then I'm also like, what a responsibility! And 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 you know, but it is always reflective of of, of the upside. Um, taking it away from money, and, and and I'm conscious of your time, so I'll probably make this um, essentially the last talking point. Um, you have a manifesto, uh, which is digital, diverse, and plural. Um, I always want to know what these things kind of actually mean in practical terms, because um, mm -hmm. otherwise you risk them being words that you have on the boardroom wall. You know what? What does that? What does that mean for you? Digital, yeah. diverse, and plural. Well, that's that's a great question. And when uh, my experience at New Bank was like, you know, having a culture that's something that's just not what's written on the wall. It's how people act. Like that's what's important. So when Alex Frank and I got together in our first week, we're like, hey, let's start putting something. And and that was our, the output was the manifesto, like what we believe at this stage. And now we're actually um, beginning of June launching like our our V two internally. Uh, after we had, you know, workshops, because now, you know, uh, our leadership ship team now is 18 people. So it's not uh, just what Alex Maud and Franco uh, wants. It's, you know, what have the people feel is working at 180? What do we want to uh, push forward? So I, we think that, you know, having a strong culture is going to be a big competitive advantage for us. So having our manifesto in the beginning that's what was behind it. And now we're already in V2 and I'm sure it's gonna be V3 before V5. Um, and then uh, the first word there is digital and it might, might sound obvious for a, a tech company that you're doing something digital. But like I said, here in Brazil, people still think of insurance as something offline. Like I'll call my broker and get my house insurance or my car insurance and he, he'll email me three uh, comparisons. That's how like insurance is sold in Brazil. So we're like, no, like uh, we, we want to focus on having the best digital experience, even if that might sound, uh, you know, kind of obvious coming from a tech company. And then diverse was also like the same realization we had, like, hey, we're starting this company where three white men in Sao Paulo, uh, we obviously uh, want to build a company uh, that we're proud of and, 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 and being a building this company that has to be diverse and so today i'd say that we're very proud 
um, on how diverse we are. We have, I don't have the numbers top of my head, but we have a lot of women in leadership uh, positions at 180. We have a lot of, you know, diversity, ethnical uh, here in Brazil. And we have this very open space and we always score, score very highly on our, be our, our, yourself, which is one of our values that, you know, I can be whoever I want here at 180. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's uh, like in the beginning, we're like, okay, diverse is not something we're going to solve when we're 60, 100, 200 people. It's something that it's a priority. We want to be proud of 180. So mm -hmm. something that was a, a big priority from, from day one. Mm -hmm. And then plural uh, is a bit of what I mentioned of having people with different backgrounds uh, and then coming from different experiences in life, you know? So um, we always said, we don't want people only from the insurance sector because then we'll be building a new insurance company. And we don't want that. If we have people only from the tech company, then you're missing out on all this, you know, really valuable piece of information that you, you can't read and learn about it. And that people who have been working in the sector know this. Um, and so uh, we want to have this, uh, we say plurality of styles and backgrounds. So, you know, we have in, in, in one team, something that worked 25 years at a carrier working with someone a product manager who was working at a retailer and is talking about insurance for the first time in their life. Mm -hmm. And we, we think this is great because, you know, that's where you're going to have new things coming out. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that's kind of a quick explanation on, on those three words. And obviously we're very um, uh, worried and, and want to make sure that, you know, what's written in our manifesto, again, reflects on how people act on a day-to-day -day decisions they make and we have you know be clients so you know is the decision i'm taking the best thing for my clients mm -hmm. and so like um pushing a strong culture and agenda internally is is i'd say like one of the biggest priorities we we have here at 180 yeah fantastic no i i think it's it's so important that and it's so refreshing and 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 it's one of the great things about speaking to so many entrepreneurial businesses and you know i don't think if you'd had these conversations 20 years ago people would have started with culture and it's just so nice to hear that people were starting with culture because once it's 100 people 200 people it's gone right you can't do anything about it but if you build it right from the beginning um and and so typical of, of most you know you're sort of less than i think you're two less than two years in and and you're looking at the version two already. So like I completely, um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, and I think that that was a big like advantage of that I had uh, in like working in a company where obviously I wasn't a founder, but I was part of seeing what worked. And you know, now that I'm uh, from an operator to a founder, I'm like, hey, this is something that really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so there's many things that you we prioritize here at 180 that normally you would say like, hey, this is something you should be doing later. But, you know, we know that's important and, and we're kind of doing that before. So it's, it's a different way. And, and for instance, we have already like 360 reviews on a biannual because we're like, hey, people, no matter the stage of the company, people want feedback. They want to know how they're doing um, and, they're, and they want to give feedback on, you know, who's above them, who's below them. So we're like, hey, doesn't matter if we're not super high growth company, series C, D, but people want to be recognized. That's like a big thing in, in you know, having psychological safety. 
So there's a lot of things that we do here at 180 that, you know, maybe are not obvious for the stage we are, but it's really a long-term game for us and, and make these investments early on uh, make a lot of sense. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, well, look, I think it's a fantastic place to end on because that's a really positive message. And I, and I think, um, yeah, I, I could talk to you for another couple of hours about the market. And, and I think it's it's amazing the stuff that you guys have done, phenomenal kind of fundraising effort. And it's a really exciting market because talking to people in where there's kind of like, there's, there's such an opportunity for market penetration. Usually we're talking about how can we shift <laughs> a load of buyers from one insurer to another insurer and take lumps out of that market. So it's really interesting to talk to you about the kind of specifically the Brazilian market. So Mauro, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being a guest on the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me here, Alex. Uh, I know that talking about insurance in Brazil is not something that's top of mind for you guys. So really appreciate the space. Um, you know, I'm here if you, in the future you want to talk more, dig deeper, it'd be a pleasure. And um, again, thank you very much for having me here. You're welcome. Now I'm just going to try and find an excuse to come out so we can have a beer. <laughs> yeah. And if you ever come to Brazil, don't come this week because it's super cold. Come in <laughs> our summer, which is December. And uh, yeah. definitely catch, grab a beer. Awesome. Well, do. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.